Welcome to our brand new series called Follow Me. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this about yourself, but most likely in some area of your life, you have a particular way of doing things. You might have a particular way of holding your pen or a particular way of doing your hair, a particular way like I do of making my coffee. Maybe you have a particular way of how you like your bed made or a particular way of how you like your food done. Like there's ways about us that make us different and unique from other people, right? And this like translates into our households. I know this is apparent because my kids always come tell me the ways of other households and what they're doing and what they're allowed to do and see. And to them, I respond to my kids, well, guess what? God didn't make me their dad. And in this house, we do it this way, right? Any parents relate to that conversation with your kids? Some good parenting there. Give yourselves a hand for good parenting. I don't care what they do, right? If God wanted me to be their dad, I'd be their dad. It even happens in our, in our workplaces, right? In our offices. They, we have a certain way of doing things here. That's what we hear from management and from bosses. We hear this in our schools. In this school, this is how we do things. Or we hear this sometimes even in the classrooms. Teachers will say, well, in this classroom, this is a way. In all parts of life, there is a way, a way of doing things and a way to follow. But did you know that Jesus also has a way? Jesus has a way, and his way is all-encompassing. Look at someone and say, it includes everything. That's right, alles, alles, like everything is included in Jesus' way. Every part of your life is included. It includes your thinking. Jesus' way includes your emotions. It includes your relationships. It includes your friendships, like it includes how you do work, it includes how you handle your money, it includes how you handle your anger, like every part of your life is covered by the way of Jesus. But there's this tension that I think if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you've probably felt this tension. And here's the tension. You can be a Christian and still not follow the way. Of Jesus did you know that you can be a Christian like you can believe Jesus is the Son of God you can believe he's Lord of all you can believe he's a Messiah like you can be a Christian and believe in Jesus and still not follow his way I think that's a tension like a lot of Christians deal with like I believe in Jesus but I'm not really following the way that Jesus speaks about and I think for the early Christians, the ones we read about in the book of Acts, these first believers, I think that idea that you can believe in Jesus but not follow the way, I think that would have been just ludicrous, absurd, like crazy to these first early believers. It's like, you can, you, can, you can be a Christian and not follow the way. Like that would have just been like made no sense to them because actually they didn't even call themselves Christians. And I don't know if you know this, but the first Christians weren't called Christians. The word Christian only appears three times in the New Testament, and it was always meant in a negative sense. It's what the non-believers referred to when it talked about those people, those weird people that follow Jesus. They came up with the name Christians, and they would say it in kind of a derogatory way, in kind of a teasing, mocking way. You're the Christians, you're the people who follow Jesus, right? But the Christians didn't call themselves Christians. Do you know what they called themselves? 
the name that they used to refer to themselves, they called themselves, get this, followers of the way. There was a name they gave themselves, followers of the way. They were Christians. They were followers of the way. We're going to catch Paul. Actually, I want to just pull up one example in Acts 24, where Paul is talking in the public court, and he says this in Acts 24 from verse 14. He says, but I admit that I follow the way, which they call the cult. Right? People outside were like, those people are weird. They're just part of a cult, Right? I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. If you wanted to ask an early Christian how they identified themselves, they would call themselves followers of the way. They were followers of the way, and in the Greek, this word way would, it meant actually a whole way of life, which meant for the first Christians, becoming a Christian was not agreeing to a set of beliefs. Becoming a Christian was not just about, hey, well, I believe these things, so therefore I'm a Christian. No, no, no. Becoming a Christian meant you were signing up for a way of life, a way of doing, a way of being, a way of acting, a way of living. Being a Christian meant you were walking the way. You were following the way, and yet today, Christianity has become a little bit cliche, right? We have almost like this cultural Christianity with, I'm a Christian because I believe certain things. I'm a Christian because I have a certain set of beliefs, and yeah, I go to church every now and again, and I listen to some sermons and podcasts, and I love Jesus music. So I'm a Christian because I have beliefs. And yet that's really not the Bible's definition of a Christian, In the Bible, you were a Christian if you followed the way. And we can forget that you can believe something is true with all of your heart and still not action it out. Belief is not the same as action. Look at someone and say, belief is not action. I tell you guys, belief is not, you can believe something to be true, but that doesn't mean you action it. Let me show you some examples in your life. You can believe, you can believe with all your heart that eating healthy is good for you. But McDonald's is gooder. <laughs> you can believe with all your heart that running every day is a really healthy thing to do. But that couch is gooder. <laughs> you can believe with all of your heart, you can believe it to your bones that a good night's sleep is good for your mental health but you watch Netflix for so long, it asks you if you still watch it. <laughs> belief is not action. And just because you believe something to be true does not mean you've actioned it out. Those two things are very different. And what we see in the early Testament, the early church is believers who've actioned things out. That was the way. People who walked the way, who did what Jesus said. And I think especially in today's day and age, this idea of following has become so diluted because now when we think of following someone, we think of social media. And what does it mean to follow someone? Well, that means I wanna see their content on my phone. That's what it means now if I wanna follow someone and I can follow anyone. 
can follow people I like and dislike. I can follow celebrities. I can follow politicians. I can follow music groups just by the press of a button. Yay, I'm following them. Well, now I get to see their content. And if I don't like what they post, or if I don't like someone's life, I don't like how someone acts, I can just click unfollow. So this following thing is very fragile and fluid, right? And it can change all the time. And so when we think of following Jesus, we're like, yeah, I mean, I, I see his content in my life. I follow Jesus. But the biblical idea of following was very different. The biblical idea of following is not fragile and fluid. And actually, it's what Jesus invites his disciples to do. I want to remind you that when Jesus calls his first disciples, he doesn't say, hey, come and believe in me. No, no, no. No, that's not how he calls his disciples. What does he say when he calls his first disciples? Come and follow me. Let me show you some places where he gives this invitation. Matthew 4, from verse 18 to 22. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for their fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, and what did he say? Hey guys, believe in me. No, no, no. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing the nets. And he called to them too to come, and immediately they followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Immediately, what did they do? They dropped how they were living. And they decided to go and follow Jesus Christ. And you read this happening again in Matthew chapter 9. With Matthew, the text collector, the author of the book of Matthew. Look at this in Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me. And be my disciple. Not believe in me. That's not the invitation, church. Follow me. Be my disciple. Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. He left everything he did to follow Jesus. And you might be wondering, why did these men so willingly just give up their lives to follow Jesus? Well, maybe we need a bit of context to put ourselves in their shoes. Let me explain to you a little bit of how the Jewish educational system worked. You see, Jesus was a rabbi. Everyone say rabbi. Which means he was like a certified Jewish teacher. He would teach in the temple. He would teach and, and, and debate in the courtyards of the temple. He was a rabbi, respected, someone knowledgeable about the word of God. Now, how do you become a rabbi? Well, the Jewish educational system started at the age of six. And between the age of six to ten, all the Jewish little boys would go to something called Bet Sefer. Now in Bet Sefer, you would go, this is when you started school at age six. All the Jewish boys would go to Bet Sefer. And in this part of your life, you would learn to read, to write, to do arithmetic, and then you would study what's known as the Torah, Genesis through to Deuteronomy. You know that during your time of Bet Sefer, from ages six to ten, you would memorize the entire Torah. All the Jewish boys would memorize the books of Genesis to Deuteronomy. Memorize. That's a far cry from our kids today watching Paw Patrol. <laughs> right? Remember, like they would remember. So they'd come out of all the 10-year-old Jewish boys would know the entire Torah out their heads. 
And from then on, at the age of 10, once you had completed Bet Sefer, you would go to your family trade. If there were fishermen, you'd become fish a fisherman. If there were working in the marketplace, you'd go work in the marketplace. If there were carpenters, you'd become a, a carpenter. You'd pick up your family trade. But there were some students in Bet Sefer who showed incredible promise. The smartest of the bunch. These were kids that they were learning the Torah. They were excelling. And so you could get invited to the second tier of the Jewish educational system, Bet Talmud, which literally meant the house of learning. And you would stay in Bet Talmud from the age of 10 to 14. What would you be doing? This, this is just, a, not everyone goes, just those select few, the best of the bunch, would go to Bet Talmud. And, and here they would study the rest of the Old Testament, the, from Joshua all the way to Malachi. They wouldn't memorize it all, but they would memorize most of it. They would dig into it. They would debate it and learn it. And they would learn in Bet Talmud the art of answering a question with a question. Have you seen how Jesus does that so well? People ask him a question, they try to trap him. What does Jesus do? He answers with a question. He would have learned that in Bet Talmud. Now, some of the kids in Bet Talmud from the age of 10 to 14 would have been just excelling. I, now this is like the cream of the crop. The Harvard boys. Like, I would not have been in that group, right? Like, the guys were just, like, super intelligent and just super smart. If they excelled in Bet Talmud, they could be invited. Just the cream of the crop, the best of the best, would be invited to the final phase of the Jewish system, Bet Midrash. Now, in Bet Midrash, you would actually start to learn how to become a rabbi. From the age of 15, you'd be molded into a rabbi. And here's what you would do. Other rabbis would come to the students at Bit Midrash and they would, they would look for disciples. They would look for them, they would test them and they would challenge them and they would debate them. And if they liked what they saw, they would give the students an invitation to become their disciple and guess how they offered that invitation. They would, they would say these words, come, follow me. So if you were selected in Bit Midrash, to come and follow a disciple. This was like the highest honor in society. This was like the most recognized, most respected occupation that you were called now to be a disciple of a rabbi. And your job would be this, to actually become that rabbi. So you would learn, you would hang on every word, you would follow him 24 seven. You would live with him, you would watch how he acts and watch how he speaks and watch what he does and then you would try and mimic it. You would literally want to become a carbon copy of your rabbi. So you would see how he interacts with people, then you would try to interact with people. You'd see how he interprets scripture. That's how you would interpret scripture. You'd see how he speaks, and then you'd try to speak like that. Their idea of a, of a disciple of a rabbi was that you would become that rabbi, and one day when that rabbi dies, you would be him, left on earth to finish his work. That's what a disciple did. It's so different. They would literally be an apprentice instead of a student. And this is what we have to understand is there's a big difference between student and apprentice. Those two things are not the same. For example, we're now studying human resources in, in the University of Pretoria. I would sit in a lecture hall with 300 other students and I would be taught accounting by the accounting lecturer. I was that lecturer's student. 
I was not that lecturer's apprentice. I would just sit there for an hour or two, once or twice a week, and then go home. Right? Because I was just a student. I was just there to gather information. I didn't go home with that lecturer. That would have been inappropriate, right? <laughs> I was not an apprentice of that accountant. I didn't go see how he did his books. I didn't sit with him for years. I didn't watch how he typed and watch how he analyzed data and watch how he prepared his reports and then try and emulate that and copy that. No, I would have then been his apprentice. I was just his student there to gather information, not copy how he lived. Yet, a couple years ago when Andrew and Cedric Bailey asked me to take over this church, I became Cedric's apprentice and it was very different because now for three years I was being molded by him. I had to follow him into every meeting and see what he said and understand how he saw scripture and see how he handled conflict and sit with him in counseling. I was being, I was an apprentice. I would literally try to see how do you do this thing? So different being a student to being an apprentice. And the job of a disciple of a rabbi is to be the apprentice of that rabbi, to literally take on that rabbi's behavior and character and thinking and living. Church, you have been called to be a disciple of a rabbi named Jesus Christ. You've been called to emulate him, to copy his lifestyle, to walk like he walked and talk like he talked and treat people like he treated people. We are not called to be students of the word. We are called to be disciples, to follow Jesus, which means we look and we try to emulate our lives to look like his life. In fact, there was a legend, I don't know if it's true, but the legend was that if your rabbi walked with a limp, then even though you were healthy, you would literally walk with that same limp. So you had a whole lot of healthy disciples following the rabbi around, right? Walking with a limp, that's what you did. And so this was a goal to follow your rabbi and be like them. In fact, there was a blessing that came with the rabbis. There was a saying that would happen. They would say, this was a blessing. May you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. This was a blessing, this was our idea. You know, in those days, there weren't tall roads. There was sandy roads, stony roads. They would walk around with slops. And as they walked in the sand, they would kick up dust. And the blessing was this, may you be so close to your rabbi that as he walks, you are covered at the end of the day with his dust. May be covered by the dust of your rabbi. May I be so close to Jesus, so close to the rabbi, mimicking so closely, but by the end of the day, I'm covered in his dust. And church, you and I have a choice whether we are just gonna be students of the word of God and students of Jesus, or if we're gonna be covered with the dust of Jesus Christ. We're so close to him. We're trying to emulate him. We're saying, okay, Jesus, how are you walking? How are you looking? How are you talking? How would you treat this person? What would you say? Okay, what would you do? I'm, I'm, my whole life is about just trying to mimic you. I just wanna be who you are on earth. I, I wanna follow you. This is the way. Church, this is what you've been invited to do, but we have a choice. Are we going to be a student? Are we going to be a fanboy, a fangirl of Jesus? Or are we going to be an apprentice, a follower? Because you know, for a lot of us, this is what we do. 
We love Jesus. Oh, man. We think Jesus is so cool. He's like my favorite Christian celebrity. I mean, don't, don't you think Jesus is cool? Can we give a hand to Jesus? I agree with everything he says, guys. He's amazing. I'm going to tell everyone, like, put on my social media, Jesus is cool. I mean, am I going to do, do what he says? No. But, I mean, I agree. I agree with everything. I just think he's so cool. In fact, every, every Sunday I'm going to go to the Jesus fan club. I'm going to sing about how amazing he is. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell people that he's just super cool. I mean, I just, I just love it here. I mean, just so nice. I mean, Jesus is just amazing, right? And so this is how many of us live. We're just like, I want, I want to know more. Just teach me more. Um, I, want, I want to just learn more. Like, give me more knowledge. I'm, I'm like a student. I want to be an A student of Jesus. But we watch him from afar. Am I still going to sleep with my girlfriend? <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> am I still going to get wasted this weekend? Sign me up. Just tell me where to meet you. Am I still going to watch porn later? You betcha. Am I still going to treat everything of my life as my own? Absolutely. Am I going to like serve people? <laughs> Are you kidding me? No ways. And so my belief in Jesus doesn't touch my life at all because I'm just a fan. I'm just a student. And I live exactly the same as I did before I met him. Still swear like a sailor at work. If anyone looked at my life, they, I look no different than a non-believer. I look no different because I'm just a student, not an apprentice. I'm just a fan. I'm not a follower. Like, that's, that's way too much. And so I believe. You ask me if I believe? Yeah, I believe. Everything he says is just so good. But this is not what you have been invited to. Church, you have not been invited to just believe. You have been invited to leave your comforts, leave your way of life, deny yourself and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to put my way aside. It's so comfortable there, but I believe your way is better. I'm going to put my way aside, and I want you to teach me how to live. Teach me how to walk in this life. Teach me where to go. Teach me how to speak. Teach me how to think. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to love people. Teach me how to act at work. Man, teach me how to treat that difficult boss. Oh, Jesus, my wife is driving me nuts. Just teach me how to be a good husband. I want to follow your way, not my way, because I believe your way is better. You've been invited, church, to follow the way to be a disciple of Jesus. And then Jesus goes in Matthew 5, and he starts teaching on what this way looks like. He gets really specific, <laughs> and he preaches what's, by many, said the greatest sermon in the world, the Sermon on the Mount. He starts in Matthew 5, and he gets really in detail, like, okay, well, this is a way, and, and it's way too much for us to cover now, but I want to encourage you to go read it. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus explains what this way looks like. Let me give you the highlights. He calls us the light of the world. 
the salt of the earth, which means we're going to be good for this world and we're going to light up the darkness. He tells us that in this way, there are things that he wants to tell us that's different from what he's heard. And so he keeps saying, you've heard it said, right? You've heard other rabbis say, but I say. You've heard other rabbis say that you shouldn't murder, but I say. Even being angry is murder. You've heard, you've heard others say that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say even looking lustfully is adultery. You've heard others say that eye for an eye and tooth for tooth, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who are against you. When someone wants you to walk one mile, you go walk two. If they want the shirt off your back, give them the coat too. Lay down your life. Don't make money your God. Don't make money so important that it becomes your master. Store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. And so Jesus goes, I want to encourage you, go read it. Go read this way. Jesus gives us a better way to do life. He shows us a way to follow him. He shows us what following him entails. And then he kind of wraps up all those thoughts in Matthew 7, verse 12. So Matthew 5, Matthew 6, he's showing us the way. Matthew 7, verse 12, he says, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The golden rule. You knew it was in the Bible somewhere, right? Just treat others the way you want to be treated. This is the way. This is the essence. And church, you and I have been invited not to just watch Jesus and admire him from afar and believe what he says is true. You've been invited to live different, to speak different, for this book to literally change your life when you walk out these doors. So that you, you're different at work. <clears throat> you're different at home. That you're different in private. We've been invited to follow Jesus. And so you can imagine Jesus, he's kind of rounding off the sermon in Matthew 7. He's coming right to the end. It's probably where Paul or Peter came out with the piano, right, and started like playing the music and He's wrapping it up. And to wrap up the sermon on the way, Jesus gives three images. We're gonna show you the first image from Matthew 7, from verse 13. Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, but the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few will ever find it. Here Jesus, right at the end of this says, you're gonna be presented with two ways of living, two roads in front of you. And the image he gives is this one road is gonna be narrow. And it leads to life, but it's narrow, not because many aren't invited, but because few will choose it. And then there's gonna be this other road that's so wide because it's gonna be so popular and everyone's gonna kind of be living like that. And on this wide road, it's all about you and your living. On, on this wide road, it's all about putting yourself first. It's all about you getting petty revenge and being unforgiving and having your needs met before the needs of others. Like on this wide road, it's about loving you first. 
And church, many people are going to walk that road. Most will. But then Jesus says there's another way. There's this narrow road where you find goodness. You find life. It's a road of life. And it's not just eternal life. It's a road of life now. In other words, as you walk this narrow road and you love others and you treat them as you'd want to be treated, suddenly what you're going to find is peace that's above understanding and a joy that's incorruptible and a hope in the middle of turmoil and the storm. You're going to find you're going to find the presence of God in your life. You're going to find restored marriages and restored relationships and forgiveness flowing out of you and love that's selfless. It's just such a better road to walk. Jesus is inviting you on this narrow road that few are going to choose. But it's a better way. It's a road of life. Then he gives a second image. In case we didn't fully get the first one. He says in Matthew 7, 17, A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions, not by their beliefs, by their for what they actually do. And again, he gives you two choices. He gives you an image of a good tree that's producing good fruit and a barren tree that's producing no fruit. Now, you can be one of those two kinds of people. You can be the, the, the place people run to for shade the place people come to for nourishment. Remember, the fruit and the shade of the tree are not for the tree. The tree gets no benefit from that. The, the shade and the fruit, it's for others around them. So you can be the place people run to for shade from the harshness of this world, for nourishment, for refreshment, for encouragement, for strengthening, or you can be the place they'd rather avoid because there's no nourishment, no shade, no goodness from you. And what's the difference? Well, one tree has said, I'm going to get deep into Jesus. And so he or she develops good fruit and the others just wants to get deeper in their own way of doing things. And so they produce no fruit. Again, two choices. A narrow road, a wide road, a tree that's fruitful or a tree that's not. You see, the blessings of God doesn't just come from belief in God, it comes from actioning out the Word of God. That's where you're going to find the promises and the belief of God. And, and, and to really lock this down, Jesus gives one more image. One more picture in Matthew 7 from verse 24. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. That person who follows what I say is like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching but doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when it rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And so one, the last image he gives is two different houses. 
Right? One built on a firm foundation that can weather the storm. One built on the word of God that's unshakable and uncompromising and unchanging. And if you build your house on this, your house will stand. But there's another option. To build your house on your beliefs and your way and your ideas. And in the storms of life that are coming, if you're not on one already, it's on its way. The house crumbles. The marriage crumbles. <coughs> the parental relationship crumbles. Like when we build our lives in our way, things don't work out. And so Jesus is saying, I haven't just called you to believe in me. I've actually called you to follow me and mimic me and become me. And to in every situation say, what would Jesus do in this moment? I want to be, I want to mimic, I want to duplicate. I want to be Jesus in this world. That is what you're invited to, to actually follow him. To be a disciple, not a believer. To be a follower, not a fan. To be an apprentice, not a student. That's the invitation. To actually take the word of God and say, I want to try and live this out. I want to follow Jesus. And then Jesus wraps this up with what I think is one of the scariest verses in all of the Bible, Matthew 7, 21. He looks at these people who believe in him. And he says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. Church, I don't want to just be a believer, and I don't want a church full of believers. I want to be a follower, and I pray for a church full of followers. I pray that we will not be barren trees in a dry land, on sinking sand, going down a wide road. I pray that you and I would become followers of Jesus Christ, people who say, Jesus, I want to be like you. I'm putting aside my way. Because in my flesh, Lord, man, I really hate that person. In my flesh, Lord, I don't want to forgive. God, in my flesh, I'm going to hang on to this addiction. God, in my flesh, I still want to do this, even though you said no. God, I'm, I'm letting my way go because I believe your way is better. And I'm going to follow the way you have been invited to follow Jesus. But the choice is yours. You decide what road you want, you decide what tree you become, and you decide what house you build, and no one will make the decision for you. I wish we could, but it's yours to make. Do you want to follow Jesus too? I hope you do. Belief and action are not the same. So I want to pray for you. Can I ask you to close your eyes wherever you are? Even if you're watching right now online or on a podcast, the internet, the radio, wherever you're listening to this. And I want to ask you a question. I believe there are people in different categories listening to this. And so I first want to speak to those of you who maybe you, you feel like at this phase in your life, you're following Jesus so closely that the dust from his sandals is covering you like you're... You're really close to the Lord. If that is you, I just want to cheer you on. And, and I want to encourage you to keep following closely. Don't let this world distract you and pull you away. Don't let worldly loves get in the way. Just keep 
following, keep following Jesus Christ. Stay close to Him. I believe there's some of you right now who, if you had to just put yourself in a category, you would say, well, you're a believer, but you're not yet a follower. You believe in Jesus. You believe He's good. You even like some of His teachings. But you haven't yet actually tried to live them out, to put them into practice. Jesus is someone you watch, not someone you follow, someone you study, not someone you duplicate. But perhaps today you want to just make a commitment, a private commitment, just to start following Jesus, to put aside your way, to walk His way. Well, if that's you, I just want you to pray a private prayer. You know, in the coming weeks in the series, we, we're going to get into the meat and and the practical things of how to do this. But if you want to make that commitment today just to follow him, then wherever you are, you can just pray that prayer to yourself. Jesus, I choose to follow you. Jesus, right now in your house, I'm leaving my way. I commit to following your way. Maybe that's what you want to pray. I believe there's another group of you here. You're brand new to all of this. <laughs> and this whole idea of Jesus and church and... <clears throat> Like, it's all so new to you, and you don't even know where to start. You don't even know what you believe. If that's you, I want to tell you, your next step is going to be our new believers class. We're starting next week, Wednesday, for seven weeks. It's free. Just come along. We're going to break down all these concepts, who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit, the baptism. Like, we're just going to go week by week to the very foundations of our faith and make sure that our foundation is strong. Make sure you believe the right things what the Bible actually teaches. So perhaps it's going to be your next step to come and join us from next Wednesday. And then I think there's a final group that really excites me. It's those people who are ready today to leave their old life behind and make a commitment to become a Christian. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer before that you believe in Jesus. Maybe you've never told anyone. You've never declared openly that you're a Christian, that you believe in Jesus, but you feel like today you're ready. You're ready to give your life to God. Well, we do that through prayer. And so I wanna pray with you if that's you. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or come forward and do anything else, but I just wanna pray with you and just so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you, if you wanna give your heart to Jesus today, just put up your hand and put it down so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands around this room, beautiful. People entering the kingdom of God. Beautiful, thank you. Well, we're gonna pray this together. And so I wanna ask you to just pray this prayer with me. And um, with every eye closed, can the church of God and the family of God pray this together? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for finding me today. God, I give my life to you every part of my life is yours from this day forward because Jesus Christ I do believe in you I believe you are the son of God that you lived and died and rose again <clears throat> so today I choose to follow you to leave my old life behind <clears throat> and I'm so sorry Lord for the way I've lived 
apart from you. Please forgive me. And thank you that today you forgive me fully and completely. I can't wait to do life with you. From today into eternity. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Beautiful. Can we give those guys a hand and pray that prayer? God, if you pray that, if you made a choice to follow Jesus today, I want to say that's just step one. We want to do this journey with you. So later as we leave, there's going to be ushers standing at the doors with a pack. Please grab one there free. Just read through it. Gives you some ideas what to do next. There's also a tear-off slip there. You can write in your details, tear that off, hand that at the info desk. We want to be in touch with you. So please don't leave without that. I hope today there's been a shift in your heart where you realize belief is not enough. It's great. That's step one. But it's not enough. May all of us make a commitment to follow Jesus. Amen.